Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with your treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way any day you decide to start. You'll be set for life You'll be set for life And so a quick recap before we get moving here from Joshua 10. In the previous chapter, the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites came to Israel because they heard in Moses' law that the Israelites, as they were coming through the land, taking conquest and wiping out Jericho. Then they went to the city of of Ai. They were on the list of people to be destroyed. Moses' law said anybody that lives within the borders of the land that God gave you, you kill them, you destroy them, get them out of there. Because they're sinful, they have rejected God. But the Gibeonites lived in the boundaries, and they heard that Israel was coming, and they got scared. So they pulled a crafty little trick. They said, let's dress up in old clothes, get old bread, and make it look like we traveled a long, 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 long way. Because Moses' law said, if anybody from far away, outside the borders, wants to make a covenant with you, then you can. So let's look like we're far away. And they showed up and said, hey, we're from far away. And Israel said, okay, we'll make a covenant with you. And then surprise, (laughs) we live a day's journey away. And Israel was kind of, why did you do this to us? And so the, the rulers of Israel got mad, and they said, let's go wipe them out. And, and the rulers said, no, we can't do that because they are now under covenant with us. So what do we do with them? Well, we'll make them woodcutters and water carriers, and they will serve all the way up to the altar of God. Now imagine that. A people who are far away, who were supposed to get condemnation, gets under covenant, and now they get to know their God through Israel. Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> Sounds like me, a Gentile. I don't deserve covenant, and I got under covenant, thankfully, through, uh, through the salvation that came through Israel, and now I am a servant, now I get to know my God. So that's the picture with the Gibeonites and Israel. So the, the Gibeonites are under covenant with Israel. Well, they shouldn't be. Well, then we shouldn't either, okay? One thing that the Gibeonites had that was good, that God could work with, was they had a fear of the Lord. And that's where the beginning of wisdom starts. That's where the whole thing starts, is they had a fear of God. They were scared of God's judgment. That's why they came and said, we're going to make a covenant. Even though they lied, and even though they did it in a shady way, anybody that comes to Jesus, they're nothing but shady either, because they're sinful. So that's a good picture with the Gibeonites. But they're now under covenant. And so now in Joshua 10 and 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. 
that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than I, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai, Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and I don't know if I'm saying this right or not, Deber, Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. Now, I was reading this, something hit me. I think this is the first time we've seen Jerusalem in the Bible. Because I was thinking, well, the Israelites are just now coming in, and they haven't been in the land yet, and here's Jerusalem being spoken of. I often think about Jerusalem was built up by the Jews. Well, it was already here. So I thought, well, what's with this? Jerusalem is, is mentioned here for the first time. And the king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zedek, does it sound like something? It sounds like Adonai, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> Adonai Zedek means Lord of Righteousness. Lord of Righteousness. Come on now. Lord of Righteousness. Well, wait a minute. I'm thinking here. How can you call yourself Lord of Righteousness, but yet come against Israel and the people that they made a covenant with? Doesn't sound like much righteousness to me. And I thought, there's something wrong here. There's something definitely wrong here with what this guy's calling himself. And if you remember, last Sunday, I spoke about 2 Timothy 3.5, when we read about having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's a big problem in today's culture, the form of godliness. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But they stand against the things of God. They stand against what God's Word says, because culturally they were just brought up into it. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zedek, has set himself up as a counterfeit god. He's calling himself a lord, right? He's a counterfeit god, lord of righteousness, but he hates Israel. Something wrong with that. I know Christians, Christians, that hate Israel. They hate Jews. Doesn't add up. Doesn't add up at all. If you say you love me, but you hate my wife. We got problems, <laughs> you know? So, but let's recall here about the Gibeonites. They're crafty people. God's law said they should be destroyed, and they undeservedly got under a protective covenant. Undeservedly under a protective covenant. And now they're getting to know God through the Israelites. Sounds like us Gentiles. You don't just decide, oh, I'm just going to get saved today. God had to draw you through a process. He had to break you down. And you have to realize that the Messiah Jesus comes from Israel. He's a Jew. He's not, he was a Jew. He is a Jew. How dare you say? He's a Jew. Jesus is a Jew from Israel. And through Israel, we get to know our God as servants, much like the, the Gibeonites. Same deal. We deserve condemnation. But salvation came to us through Israel, putting us under God's protective covenant of grace. And God takes covenant, covenant very seriously. In Joshua 9, I brought up how uh, King Saul went and killed a bunch of uh, Gibeonites, and God got real upset and caused a, a famine to happen. And David, when David was king, he said, why is this famine going on? He said, it's because bloodthirsty Saul killed Gibeonites, and they were under covenant. He was not supposed to touch them. God takes covenant very serious. And the reason I say this is because if you're under the covenant of grace, 
God takes that very serious. You are protected. Oh, thank God for that. And so Joshua is going to honor this covenant with the Gibeonites. Even though they came all snarly and all weird and, and they, they lied their way into it, they had fear of God. They're under covenant. Joshua is going to honor that. And so God's going to protect them, the Gibeonites, because it is God's will that once he makes a covenant, he keeps it. He keeps them protected. Now, we know that Satan, he hates both grace and covenant. If you're saved by Jesus, he hates you. He probably hates you more now than he did before. And you probably took a good lashing this week before coming in here because he just can't stand you if you're under covenant. But we're going to see this kind of a hatred now is going to be played out through this five-king alliance that's going to come out to attack the Gibeonites, led by a false god who calls himself Lord of Righteousness. Sounds like a foreshadowing of the Antichrist, if you ask me. A guy sitting in Israel on a throne calling himself Lord of Righteousness. I'm God, but he hates Israel. Just keep paying attention to this. I'm going to do the best I can with it. Joshua 10 and 6. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Now, you know, if Joshua, if he were a modern day, or even then, an opportunist, like you see a lot of opportunists, a lot of lying going on out there. I, I, I heard some guys on the ham radio last night talking about, oh, you can't trust this group. You can't trust that news uh, office over here. You, can, you can't trust anybody. And I jumped in there and I said, if, if y'all are so fed up with lies, why don't you go to church where you know you're going to hear truth? <laughs> Didn't register with them. But anyway, a lot of lies flying around and a lot of people are opportunists. They will lie. They will do dirty tricks to get anything for their own gain. Now, if Joshua had been an opportunist like this, he would have found an opportunity to erase the Gibeonite people who tricked them into making a covenant when Moses' law said they were supposed to destroy them. If these kings had wiped them out and Joshua just sat back and said, I didn't touch them. I didn't touch them. They're gone now. I don't have to worry about them. He could have done that. And I know a lot of people, I used to be one guy that would have done that because I had no integrity at one point. God made me new, thank God. But there's a lot of people would have let that slide. Oh, five kings are coming. Well, come on, guys. Let's go help them. Oh, don't, don't hurry. Take your time. Oh, they're wiped out. Oh, well, don't have to worry about them now. They're out of our hair. You hear what I'm saying? He could have done that. But people of honor, godly people, they value covenant because God takes covenant very seriously. Covenant must be and covenant will be upheld. And Joshua is about to demonstrate how God is with us. We don't deserve salvation covenant with Him, but once we're under it, God will fight for those who are His. And Joshua is going to give us a picture of this, so let's watch what he does. Joshua 10 and 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua immediately reacting is a demonstration that he honors the covenant they made with the Gibeonites. You know, he had his own people saying, why should we honor this? We don't have to. We should be off the hook now. No, we're not off the hook. We gave our word. And when you give your word, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. 
especially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, because if you go back on your word and you don't do what you say you're going to do, people say, if Jesus is your Lord, I don't want him. So he's acting by godly characteristics here, and he's going to honor the covenant. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to honor the covenant with the Gibeonites. But let's also observe the opportunity here in this moment. Now, this isn't like the opportunist situation I said earlier. Oh, let's let all the Gibeonites go. There's another opportunity here, a God-given opportunity. Up until this time, Israel had to conquer the land one fortified city at a time. It was city by city. They had to go against Jericho. Then they had to go against Ai. They messed up at Ai. They paid for it. There's A lot of guys died. It was city by city. But now, all these kings and their armies are camped out in the wide open. You see that. Verse 5, it says, They and all their armies were camped out before Gibeon. So here's a a wonderful opportunity. They're not behind walls this time. They're just out there in that big field. And so even though all these kings combined forces, God actually used their hatred of Israel to flaw their logic so that Israel would have the military advantage. Y'all see this? Woohoo, it's going to get good. <laughs> and so he's got to ascend. Joshua has got to ascend from Gilgal right now. Now's the time to go hit them and hit them hard. Get them right now while they've got them not inside city walls. Now's the time to strike. And so Joshua, he had to march his army very, very hard. Very hard. 25 miles. And a lot of it was uphill to an altitude of about 4,000 feet. Them guys were tired. Imagine you suiting up with all your stuff. We're going to run all night, 25 miles up 4,000 feet. By the time you get to the battle, you're played out. God is really going to have to be in this for them to make it work. He's going to have to be involved. Israel had pushed in all their chips. But Joshua did have an ace up his sleeve. What was that, sl- that ace? God gave Joshua confidence. Look at verse 8. He said, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Whoa. God, this is too big. I can't do it. How am I supposed to get all my guys over there? That's 4,000 feet. That's 25 miles. We're going to have to go all night. By the time we get there, we're going to be tired. We're going to be thirsty. <laughs> We need to rest first. We need this. We need that. God said, go get them. This is the time. Go get them. God gives us assurance in his word. And we all face these trials. And when God says, hey, I know it's tough right now, but now's the time for you to go and do this. Don't give God your excuse list. He's given it to you now because it's the best time to get it. The enemy is at its weakest point. Kick them. <laughs> 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you pause in fear of your trials, just remember, God didn't give you that. That fear making you stop, God did not give that to you. Joshua is a great example for us. He's running into battle with confidence. Christian, have confidence, trust in your God. Have confidence. Oh, but I'm not good at this. I'm not good at... It's not on you. It's on God. It's on the power of God. You don't... Hey, I've got a million deficiencies and inefficiencies. I'm probably the worst public speaker ever lived. But God says, I want you to go to that pulpit every Sunday. Okay. 
Guess I got to do it. That's why it's the toughest part of my week. <laughs> so Joshua 10 and 9. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord rooted them from before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Ezekiah and Mekedah. And it happened as they, as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Well, I don't believe that, Ray. My God would never do that. You need to get to know the real one. This is God's wrathful, angry judgment against unrepentant sin. People that say, God, I don't want nothing to do with you. As a matter of fact, I'm against you. Look out. This is God. This is the way He is. You know what? If you've had a rejection of God all this time, up to now, and you're still breathing, it's because God's given you an opportunity to repent, and right now is a good time to get right with God and accept Jesus, make Him your Lord and Savior. He's let you live up to now. Take Him up on it. It's a good deal. So he threw hailstones down. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God chunking these hailstones down at these guys? That's just not a picture of God we like to think about, is it? But he did it. But he did it. That's why you need to be under covenant. That's why you need to be under covenant. Jesus died that horrific death you were supposed to get to take that, to spill that blood, to institute a new covenant for you to get under so that you could be protected just like Joshua is going to protect the Gibeonites. You need to get under the blood of Christ. Get under covenant. But this just goes to show what kind of judgment God executes on those who reject Him. The enemy in this battle, they broke and they fled in confusion, and they went down a bottleneck. They went down a bottleneck. It says the road that goes to Beth Horon. And they got down this bottleneck where they got kind of squeezed in there, and they just, they just kind of planked them off. Now, history would show this will not be the only time an enemy goes trapped down this road, because later... In 66 A.D., the Roman general, Cestius Gallus, he fled down the same road from the Jews and got in the same mess. He got down in that little bottleneck and they, they took care of him. Okay? God fights for Israel. And God fights for His people that are under the covenant. You'll want to be under covenant. Well, I don't know if I'm under covenant. Well, evaluate your life. Why is your life a mess like it is? Maybe you need to get under that covenant. God fights for Israel even if he has to use the same move more than once. Down this bottleneck, he's used it more than one time. But in this section, we see both God and man fighting together, which I think is neat. You've got man and the divine of God fighting in the same battle. You realize your trials, you're not fighting them by yourself. You know the things that are really pushing you and really pressuring you, and you feel like you're all alone? Did you know that if you get under covenant with Christ, God fights that battle with you? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. I thought it was all on me. Yeah, that's why you're worried. <laughs> it's not much of a worry when you know God's in the heat with you. Israel had to fight, but God gave them the victory. You know, you're going to have to fight. You can't just sit down. It's like sitting down saying, God, give me a job. I'll go to bed. Let me have it when I wake up. You've got to get up and do something, but God's in it with you. And there are times that we have to put action of our faith together in accordance with God to achieve a goal. I like to see this. This is a great story showing this. Now in Joshua 10 and 12. And here's probably one of the biggest miracles that ever happened. 
Joshua 10 and 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. Now here's where you really need to keep up. (laughs) Okay, This is where you really got to lock on with me real good here, because I've heard this This story come up in argument form many, many times, so I'm going to go over it. I know you've heard of the Dead Sea parting and giants falling. I know you've heard of incredible miracles, but this is an incredible moment of power when God stopped the rotation of the entire earth. The whole earth literally stopped turning. Have you ever heard of this? Some of you are like, what? (laughs) It stopped. It stopped turning. And God did this to fight for Israel because He is the God of Israel. So what happened was the day was wearing really, really long. It was getting really late, and it was going to get dark soon, and there was still a lot of fighting yet to do. And they couldn't stop the battle now, or else the enemy would go back to their fortified city. Now we got to go do that city-by-city thing again. So it was going to get dark. Joshua needed more daylight to finish the victory. And so Joshua said, sun and moon, stand still. Hey, you just got more daytime. Now you can finish the job. (laughs) Wow. And the earth stopped rotating on its axis. Now the science community, they really laugh at this. Of course, believers in the science community have quite a difference in belief on how everything got started in the first place. They believe a bang. I believe God said earth exists and bang it happened. But they have a difference of opinion on this because they don't understand the power of God. They don't understand God's power. They think, and I can see why they think this, that if the earth stopped turning, then the inertia of all the water and all the oceans would spill over land. You'd have this giant land overwash, and everybody would fly into it. It's like stopping in a car real quick. Everything goes in forward. They think everything on the earth would just, it would be total chaos. Well, do you realize when God stopped the earth, He had control over that too? He stopped all that. He kept it in place. He kept it in good place. This is a demonstration of God's complete and total control over absolutely everything. And why do we worry about our problems? God could stop the world from turning and keep the land together, keep the people standing where they are. You ever been cow tipping? Cows didn't even fall over, okay? I mean, everything's fine. (laughs) Because God... (laughs) So redneck, isn't it? (laughs) Everything's okay. Nothing fell over. Everything's all right. And they continued the battle. God controlled the tides, every object on earth. Everything was kept in its place when the brakes got thrown on. Came to a full stop. Earth stopped spinning. Because it says the sun and the moon stood still. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. 
We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.